You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Equal Vision Records and Sound Talent Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have Mr. Jesse Leach from Kill Switch Engage from Times of Grace. They just put out a new record. It's amazing. Uh, as always, we didn't talk about that new record on this podcast because we usually don't do that. Uh, we went all kinds of different places. We went some pretty deep spots. Jesse is a very, very intelligent person and a great conversationalist and super easy to talk to. So this one went really, really, really well. Um, I had a blast talking to him and I would do it again in a heartbeat. I think we're going to do a part two here uh, when the time is right. Not too soon, of course, but uh, in the near future, we will have Jesse on for a part two. I think you guys will enjoy this. Um, but yeah, let's get some business out of the way and we'll jump in. So peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. PeerPleasurePod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me. Uh, if you have guest ideas, questions, comments, anything like that, uh, you can definitely go review and rate the show on I Apple iTunes. I don't think Spotify has that that option yet, but uh, maybe they'll catch up eventually. Uh, but right now, Apple Podcasts is the place to go rate and review the show. Even if you don't listen to it there, go ahead and do that because that definitely helps us out with our uh, algorithms and chart position and all that shit. So, uh, head over there and do that. Join the Facebook group, the Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle Facebook group on Facebook. You can search it out uh, in the um, in the top tab, and we'll let you in. 
Uh, it's a private group, but that's just to keep everyone's privacy together. Uh, we'll definitely let you in when you sign up there. Uh, and check out the premium service, which is peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. That's where you get access to the video footage of the shows. You get access to the past cast, which is another podcast I'm doing with other podcasters talking about their favorite episodes of the show and doing a deep dive into that, how the episodes came to be, how the guests and I got connected, things like that. And then you also get the ad-free feed. So uh, definitely check that out if you haven't already. That's peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. Uh, so yeah, let's get into this one, guys. I'm super stoked for this episode uh, to come out. And I've been waiting on it a little while because Jesse has done a ton of press and I wanted to wait till the end of that to put this episode out so everyone wasn't inundated uh, with all his episodes. But as always, this one's a little bit different and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So let's get into this episode with my conversation with Mr. Jesse Leach from Kill Switch Engage and Times of Grace. good how are you man i'm well thank you awesome awesome i'm just making sure i got everything rolling here no awesome. worries dude so you're a you're a podcaster now too this is rad you're yeah i am it's one of the coolest things i've ever done it's really enriched my life and made me like just a deeper person i think i, I love it it's great dude that's awesome i uh and we just start this dude this just starts when we we jump on here so i, I always get the 20 time, minute mark Hey, are we recording this? Uh, yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. I love those types of uh, conversations. You just it's like that's what it is. It's a conversation. It's great. Exactly, dude. I had a. Um, I don't think you and I have ever actually met. I I did an episode with Adam. All right. 2017 on. at the Roseland in Portland. You guys were with Anthrax. Oh, uh, wow, yeah, that was a long time. It seems like a long time ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah. he was super sick, and I could tell he didn't want to do it which I was fine with. It happens every once in a while, but like, especially if it's set up through a publicist. But so I introduced him as Adam from the price is right. And yeah. he lost his mind and it, it, it just totally broke the ice. It was awesome. But, uh, I don't think that's all you gotta do, man. That's all you gotta do is talk to prices. Right. And you're automatically in with him. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but you and I, you and I didn't meet then either. Cause I was, I was in and out for that one. Um, yeah. So it's good to meet you now. And nice to meet you. The reason I bring that up too that we haven't met yet is I don't know a ton of about you except music, right? Because uh, there's not a ton of stuff. There, well, there, as of lately, there's more. Um, yeah. 
But my first real exposure to you and your personality was an interview you did with Keith from Every Time I Die for Revolver, that flex your head deal you were doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Back and, in the day. Yeah. As, as a podcaster, like I watch people differently and especially like face to face stuff. And the way that you handle yourself in that exchange, I was like, this guy has to be doing this. Like it ah, was you just awesome. dug in the right amount. You you were disarming, like it was a great conversation, and I was blown away by it. I was like, why why is this like the the first thing, like the first thing it was episode one or whatever? I think you were saying, and I was just blown away. I was like, this has to like you have to do this. So then when I saw Stoke the Fire, I was like, okay, perfect. Like we're doing this oh, now. Like thank you, man. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's kind words something I really enjoy doing, but I'll tell you what, with having a partner like Matt that I do now, who mm -hmm. is really like good at guiding the conversation, it allows me to be more of myself and I can get a little more lost in the conversation where if we've got talking points, which, you know, we just have a conversation as well. Mm -hmm. we, we don't really stick to like, we're not trying to promote anything except for the well-being of humanity on that. So it's nice, but he, he definitely helps steer the conversation in a totally different way than I do. So we work really well together. I think on my own, I would get a little lost, but um, I appreciate the kind words. Um, Dude. I, lo I love it, man. It's fun. It's really fun and interesting and feels like I got a different type of a purpose with this as opposed to music, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's that one-on-one -on -one connection or, or two-on-one -on -one connection versus the first two rows you can see in the lights, you know? Uh, yeah, totally. It's totally. a different energy, but it can be just as fulfilling as a stadium full of people just it has people been. going at it. Yeah, it really has been, honestly. And then I think it, just, it really helped me get through this whole time frame. You know, mm -hmm. we're only like going on like four months in, but when we had the, even just the idea of that being a possibility, turning into a reality, it gave me hope. It gave me like, oh, nice. this is something I can work for since music is just out the window right now. Mm -hmm. but now that I've, I've dipped my toes, I'm, I feel like I'm going to be a lifer. <laughs> I want to continue doing this forever. Like, I love it. I really love it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you, did you connect with people in the same way in your personal life? Like, did, like when you would sit down, you know, on tour with professional time wasters. So like, you, you know, you sit down and have conversations at the, the, we were just, who else? I was talking to uh, Josh Rand from Stone Sour last night. And he was talking about how that's like the gateway because you, you have all this time to kill. So why not uh, do something that, Dumb, dumbs down the mind and takes all those hours away we were talking about his his xanax addiction and um i was like that's exactly true like you're you're so much downtime you have what an hour and a half of work and then the rest of it is just killing time getting something to eat meeting who else is on the tour but did you feel that you connected with people the same way just in normal conversation outside of recording every once in a while it happens mm -hmm. um whether that's late on late night on the bus with uh, Joel and Adam, who we, we have our little three powwow when we actually have the lounge to ourselves, mm -hmm. we go deep. Um, on the whole, though, especially on the tour bus, there's not a whole bunch of depth going on there. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's a boys club watching horror movies, <laughs> watching sports, listening to reggae music, listening to punk rock. Um, I've, a lot of the depth that I find is away from everybody. Mm -hmm. um, I thoroughly enjoy escaping. I do it either on my bicycle or on foot on days off. Um, I'll find myself at a bar somewhere talking to a stranger about their life and asking them questions as if 
I've been doing this for years. Just, I love to hear people's stories. Yeah. I want to know what this person's all about. Like, I love that kind of stuff. Um, or, you know, I would just get lost in either a video game or writing electronic music on my laptop. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty much my MO on tour. <laughs> I really do enjoy the depth of conversation, but it, they're few and far in between, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys, do you guys, um, do a lot of editing on your on your podcast as far as the conversation. No. That's fantastic. I'm the same way. I think, did, I think you did one edit, but it was only because it was repeated and it was something that didn't need to be said again. And mm-hmm. the episode was already like a really long one. So we just kind of chopped it up. But for the most part, no, we we pride ourselves on not doing it. I think it's great when you don't edit because we had Vinny Stigma on from Agnostic Front. He took two phone calls during the, the show and it was we were in tears. It was hysterical. The, some of the best moments are the moments that you just don't edit those out. Like that's yeah. the good stuff is the weird shit that goes on. It's so funny. I love it, dude. That's all. I don't, I in the same way. I don't touch it unless someone asks me specifically to take it out. Right. I don't right, touch right. it. Cause you can't, yeah. you know, you're like you say, you go to a bar on tour and you sit down next to a stranger, you have an hour long conversation. You can't edit any of that. It happened. Like, I love why it. would you do the same thing here? You know, I had Danny Trejo on the actor. Oh and, yeah! Oh yeah! I know who that is, man. I've seen all the horror movies. Machete. I know. He, he's a legend. He, he said, "He's this was over the phone though." But like, he's like, "Hold on a second, man. It's hot out here. I gotta take my shirt off, man." So he takes his shirt off, and I'm like, "Okay, Danny Trejo's taking his shirt off on the show." And then, "Hey, man, I gotta say hey to this pretty lady. Hold on a second. And I thought he knew her, but he just goes, "Hey, pretty lady." Literally. <laughs> It's That's I left awesome. it all on there. His post is like, you can cut all that out. I was like, no, I, do I have to? He's like, well, no. I was like, okay, I'm going to leave it in there. It was Dude, beautiful. I love it. Yeah, it's magic. You can't yeah. mess with shit. It's the personality. I love that. What's up, pretty lady? Hey, pretty lady. I was like, <laughs> I, he, he doesn't know her. He's got his shirt off. He's like getting coffee or something, talking to a pretty lady. <laughs> the only I can, thing I can picture. I can picture. imagine witnessing that. That's amazing. Oh. Dude, I wish I could. I wish it was like on a Zoom and he was carrying his phone with him because it would have been priceless. But uh, that's awesome. I'm I'm stoked. You guys are the same way. I listen. Uh, I think the first episode I heard of the show was with Randy. I had just had Randy on as well, and and you guys oh, yeah. had an awesome conversation with him. He's fantastic. But um, he is great. He's easy though. I mean, you just kind of let him go. You know, we just get yeah. through here and then just you let him. Go. He's one of those people. He doesn't need you to guide him really. Exactly. So great conversation and then we have listeners on as well so it's mm-hmm. not just you know notable people and some of those listener podcasts become some of the deeper ones and uh yeah it's definitely i'll walk away with some from some of those listener ones really contemplating stuff like mm-hmm. really think about life yeah it's heavy it can be really heavy man i love it dude that's 100 percent incredible i was just listening to um the the van life dude uh you just did oh um, yeah yeah because I saw I like listeners, them. I was like, that's genius. Like people, so like the biggest podcasts are like the NPR stuff where they're talking to people that aren't someone of note, but they're right. telling stories. Yeah. And I love that in your guys' platform, you're taking that on, like to talk to people that no one's ever heard of versus like, okay, let's get, you know, Metallica or so, you know, let's boost some numbers. To right. go out there and get the real deal. I, I really respected that. And and that's why I jumped into that episode because I was like, wait, listeners, awesome. Okay. And that dude's super interesting. That's super, super well-spoken and and a great storyteller. Yeah. Yeah, he was, right? Totally. Yeah. And that's the thing about it. You never know what you're going to get into. We never know. 
Like mm-hmm. we do a quick little, not even an interview, like they write an email, we read the email and we decide, okay, we're going to do this or not. Um, and actually one guy, unfortunately, um, just passed. He was a guy oh we God. had named Bradley Hart. And he was talking about his addictions and his struggles and his wanting to be sober and be a musician and how he's been good and turned into sort of like a counselor for other people. And uh, yeah, we just found out a few days ago that he passed. So mm. we had developed this relationship with this guy, you know, stayed connected with him online via our, our you know, Stoke the Fire on Instagram. And he became friends with another guest in his own neighborhood that had the same story, similar story of trying to overcome addiction and being a musician. Mm-hmm. So they actually met and became friends, started a band. We're just starting to demo stuff. And yeah, and it, it just shocked us. It shook us to our core. And if you go back and listen to the episode, he overdosed. Like, I can't even tell you how many times mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. saying to him in the episode, while wow, you're still here for a reason, bro. Like it was a really beautiful, deep conversation. And then finding that out yesterday morning, just, it just, it took me all day to like, just sit with it. It was like, wow, we're making these really incredible connections with people. Mm-hmm. And you kind of like develop a relationship with your audience. And to hear that was just like, number one, sad, but then number two made me realize how important I think w- what we're doing is just to bring people together and let them tell their stories, let them be heard. I think people really just want to be heard. And it's a beautiful thing especially nowadays with where we are to be able to connect people and mm-hmm. to make people realize we've got a lot in common, a lot more in common than we do differences. And, you know, we're, we're, we're living through an era in an age where differences are so highlighted and polarized and politicized. So for me, it just, it just solidifies the fact that, that this kind of work is important, just talking to people and allowing them to, to speak on their, on their struggles and their life. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I'm sorry to hear about that, man. That's, yeah, that's a tough one. Super sad. Yeah. But, um, our hope is that story. And then we're eventually going to do like a little tribute to him, but our hope is like just to continue that conversation. So maybe that won't happen to the next person, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah. So yeah. I digress emotionally, so I don't get all worked up, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Really. World of podcasts can be incredible. And you mentioned NPR. The first podcast I ever got into was the Moth Radio Hour, which is just people telling stories. Mm-hmm. I still, I still love it. It's, it's so good. I love it. It's great, dude. Did you ever yeah, listen you to know. Coast to Coast? I didn't. Back I know day. what you're talking about, but I no, I know you're talking about, but mm-hmm. I have not. Okay, that was that's where I got hooked on on just talk radio alone. Like my dad used to listen to Rush Limbaugh in the car, and I'd sit in the back oh, seat yeah. and just like. So I got really familiar with his voice. Uh, I'm not a fan of his, his, uh, politics, but I got to know that voice and you start to believe things when you listen to someone that long, that voice goes into your subconscious and you start to have thoughts in that voice. Sometimes if you listen to it enough, that's why people podcast uh, advertisers on podcasts are so relentless because they know and they hear you say it, people will do it. It's a familiar voice. It's someone that's part of your day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um, and I think that that's what's interesting about it, too. You know, you, your audience becomes almost like they almost see you as a friend. And I could see that mm-hmm. because I that with with yeah, I was even like that with Matt, my partner now in my podcast. I He has a, his own podcast called Life in the Stocks, where he does great interviews with, you know, the who's who of whatever co- comedy. And I, I, I developed a sort of weird relationship where he felt like my friend and then he became a good friend. It's, mm-hmm. it's weird. It is weird. <laughs> 
<laughs> this the weird thing too about the and we could go on about podcasting forever but like through this show like i come from music but a long time ago like 2007 i stopped touring didn't do shows didn't do anything came back wanted to do something creative i was like i, I started listening to some podcasts i was like i could do that probably if i could figure out how to record it i started doing that and it's funny that i've met more people in music through this than i ever did touring i've gone more places because of the podcast that I did oh, wow. touring, like, like other countries and things like that, like, um, for longer periods of time where you can actually do things. And then, uh, a lot of the people that I've had on that I never knew before, we still keep in touch weekly or monthly. Like we'd known each other for 10 years and it's from one conversation. It's the weirdest thing. It's beautiful. And it, gives, it actually gives me hope for my future because I can't see myself touring forever. Like, I don't think I'm going to be one of those guys, you know, geriatric, geriatric touring. I can't see it. So to me, that's another thing too, that this gives me hope for the future. And the fact that you even say you've traveled because of the podcast. Yeah. That's, the, that's the one thing I would miss. I love traveling more than anything. Mm -hmm. You're right. When you're on tour, either you're exhausted or you're busy yep. or just, you know, or a combination of the two. <laughs> Uh, so to me, that sounds awesome. I'm, I'm happy for you, man. And I, I look forward to the day. I can say the same thing. If, if I ever stop doing what I'm doing, dude, you know, as far as boring goes, it'll happen. It'll happen. You just fly out and do those, those, uh, those podcasts in person where you can't normally get to people or, or, um, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's a blast and I love it just like you do. And, um, have you always been though, like you were mentioning, you know, a, a lot about emotions and stuff. Like, have you always been a fairly emotional person? Oh yeah. Completely. Like really yes. deep in your head. Yes. 100%. Um, but I used to just mask it when I was younger, you know, mm -hmm. put up that punk rock facade. Like I'm tough. I got this, you know, and, uh, that eventually all came crumbling down. And the, the moment I started to be vulnerable, I found a lot of people relating to it. And then I found it eased a lot of my anxieties and helped me feel less alone. And then I saw it as a strength, like so almost like, a a badge of pride to be vulnerable is, is strong and it helps people. And then it in turn helps you. Mm -hmm. so now I'm, I'm outwardly wearing my emotions on my sleeve with pride. Like I, I don't care if people think I'm a big sap. I don't care. But when I was younger, I definitely was like, Oh, I'm trying to be cool. Like mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to be not cool or tough. I don't, give, I don't give a shit about that anymore. Dude. It makes me think about like, and I talk about this a lot, but when we're children, like, ch like young children, we do everything the right way. Like we yeah. express them. If we're going to cry, we cry. If we're right. going to yell, we yell. If we're going to, you know, if we need to shit our pants, we shit our pants. But we also <laughs> lift with our legs, right? Like we picked up, like watch my daughter get down and do something. She squats down. She doesn't kneel down. She doesn't bend over at the waist. She picks things up with her legs, lifts properly, like things you unlearn because of everyone around you trying to not be children, not be free. Genuine. And yeah, genuine, yeah. Uh, pure, not, you know, if you need to throw a tantrum, throw a tantrum, like, uh, but we unlearn these things. And then later in life, we start to like crave them and get back to them. You know, like, like you're saying, like going back and, and being outward with your emotions, like, of course, to be cool, you're trying to hold them in. If we could just get this message to people in middle school and high school that, hey, you don't need to wait until you're 30 or 40 to do this. It would change so many lives. It would stop so many suicides. It would stop so many substance abuse problems. If you could just keep that little bit of, of uh, 
integrity is the wrong word, but that little bit of, of pureness, like that just that you're born with. Yes. Like you're born yeah. a human being. You learn how to not be one. You learn how to right. be a drone. And I, I get these urges and I follow them now. You know, I think of, uh, I was out to dinner at an outside area over here where I live and I had, I saw these kids doing cartwheels. So I got up from the table. I looked at the people over there with me and I'm like, I'm going to go do some cartwheels. And they're like, what? Yeah, right. And I did. And I was like, this is awesome. And there's moments like that where I do childlike things and, you know, my girlfriend loves me for it because I just don't care anymore. I, I do mm. weird, dumb shit and it makes me so happy. And then you see the people looking at you like, and you could tell they're like, they want to do it too. Just yeah. get up and yeah. do a cartwheel, knock it off. <laughs> um, and, and an important thing that I learned too, um, cause I had vocal surgery in 2018 mm. and I had to mm. rethink everything. I got the nodules cut off. I had to relearn how to speak. And one of the things that really struck me was, um, remember the doctor saying, you know, think about a child, a child. Oh, actually, no, I think this was Melissa Cross, my vocal teacher that said this. Think about a child when they yell or they scream, they just do it and they don't get hoarse. You don't hear a baby going, I can't do this anymore because we were born screaming, yelling and hollering properly. Yeah. And it is, it's the brain and your self-consciousness that makes you change and you manipulate your voice and you go lower than you should because you're trying to sign manly or like all these weird things that we do connected to everything you just said that can apply to the voice as well. Anybody can yell and scream all day long and not get hoarse if you know how to do it properly. Mm -hmm. So that kind of blew my mind and that mindset carried over into everything else. Like just be a kid. You know, I see kids playing on the playground. What a beautiful, funny, innocent thing you know just like you see a kid going la 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 kicking the feet up and and spinning in circles and like you think it's funny but that's legitimately like what's going on in their head and i love that so i've been trying to do those types of things more even if i look like a total madman it's fun do it sometime if you're listening to this and you have an urge to do something childlike do it and enjoy what comes next yeah it's so because <laughs> you watch, I mean, and, and even going back to the same thing with children, like if you, you don't have children, right? No, I don't. Okay. I, I, I'm a proud uncle and awesome. I like it. So you've way. probably seen when it comes time for bed and it, it's actually like game, game on bedtime. Like you're not fighting to go to bed, but when a child lays their head on the pillow and is ready to go to sleep, they close their eyes like a puppy and they're asleep because Amazing. they're not stressed. They're not right. worried about their mind's not racing. They are just, I'm going to sleep now. It's that easy. Incredible. No insomnia, none of this stuff that we put into ourselves and make ourselves do the anxieties. The anxiety can come out, of course, but during that early stage, like it's just not there. Like it's, it's incredible. If it was that easy to hang on well, to also, Yeah, I also think there's got to be something to do with being genuine and being honest. So there's nothing to hide. There's nothing to sort of mill over in your head. You know, if a kid pissed you on the playground, you don't even remember at that point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're already in the zone. You've dealt with it. It's out of your system. You're right. That's profound. I because I am totally that person that can't fall right to sleep. Mm -hmm. My thoughts catch up to me immediately. So, you know, I never used to do this. I never owned a TV uh, until recently. But I would read books, you know, and that would put me to sleep, or, or you know, put on headphones, listen to music. Mm -hmm. And now it's nature programming. David Attenborough, you know, or a travel program or Anthony Bourdain travel mm -hmm. shows. I've seen hundreds of times. Those are my lullabies. It's the only way I can fall asleep. If not, I'm just, I'm like there, like thinking about what I got to do tomorrow, like all that stuff. Yeah. So 
I envy that. I envy yeah. that. Just now I'm going to sleep. <laughs> That's not me. Yeah. They don't get to like children don't get to go up on stage in front of a bunch of people and have a fucking blast either, though. So there are trade offs to this what we true. have to deal with. But like, th- th- you know, uh, you don't see them on magazines or on on, you know, other things like there's there's definitely a trade off and something that comes with being an adult. But uh, I love that you do that. Like get back into that childlike wonder. I had a nickname on tour man child because I'm, I'm yes. six foot five, 380 pounds. Like I'm not a small person. So like I actually ran into Scott Ian at that show when I, when I was walking out of the, the green room in the, the Roseland in the basement there, yep. I literally walked around the corner and like stopped him like a refrigerator. Like he was coming out of the room and you like, boom. T- oh, and I was like, sorry, Scott Ian and just left. <laughs> but like, <laughs> So what I'm saying is I'm not a small man, but like when I do things like that with my kids or whatever, like people start staring because they're just like, what is going to happen? What's going to break? Like, uh, but on tour, like it was that childlike wonder. Let's go play on this playground. Let's go do this. Like, I always love that stuff or I take it too far. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I back that. I totally back that. It's funny, too, because I'll do it sober and people are like, are you? I'm like, no, I just this is what I do every once in a while. Mm -hmm. That was a big thing for me moving up here to the Catskill Mountains from New York City. Now I have my playground, so I do it all the time. I live right by a river. I skip stones. I jump all over the rocks. I do cannonballs into the water. This is a daily occurrence for me now, so now I'm allowed to sort of be that madman because if you're around certain things like a river, people are like, oh, yeah, that's what I would do too. I'd jump in the mm-hmm. river and be a maniac, but the difference between me and my friends, I'll do it for the, the entire day. They'll do it for like an hour. They're like, all right, let's go drink some beers. I'm like, no, drink your beer here and let's continue playing. <laughs> <laughs> this is important shit. I love that. You moved to the Catskills, dude. So you're you're in nature, like you're out there, like in the woods. You're living am, in the woods. I am in the woods. Yeah, it's um, intense. I love that. Two, two, going on a little over two years now. Yeah, if you walk out my front door, there's an open field that's protected land. You go down the street, there's a stream. Mm-hmm. You look out the window, there's there's mountains. Uh, and the beautiful thing is, too, where we live uh, in Woodstock, New York, is we have a little town to go to. We have restaurants and bars, and there's live music back over here. Out There's like a beer garden. So we have life down the street a ways. And then we live right on the border of uh, a village called Bearsville. And... When I first moved up here, I realized why it's called Bearsville. I saw a 300-pound black bear just hanging out, just walking across the field. And uh-huh. I'm like, in the window, like, whoa, that's amazing. So that's that's <laughs> where I live. It's magic here. I love it. Dude, I, I I grew up in Alaska, so I've I've got the same with nature. Like, there's an appreciation that you have. Uh, the people always talk about Alaskans being weird, but when you grow up around things that can kill you, all the time that aren't people yeah. you start to have a different respect and and kind of know your place in the world a little mm. bit more uh so walking to the bus stop for school in the dark you know moose all around you that are towering over you bears in your carport or at the dump like right all in, in your town there's something very humbling about that where you realize yeah. okay i'm not you know because you don't walk around carrying guns up there at all it's like that's the only thing that puts us above those creatures is the fact that we are smart enough to then say, okay, I'm going to shoot this from here behind this rock. Like if right. we went out hunting right. with our bare hands, it would never happen. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. And Alaska is beautiful, man. That's awesome. Dude. It, it's wonderful. But what, what I'm getting at is, is uh, there's a rhythm to nature. I think like there's a, a like a, 
an overall like just a simple rhythm to a river or to the 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 stuff in the trees and things like that that just recharge um and i miss that a lot because i'm in portland or i'm in like downtown portland right now if i want to go somewhere i got to drive you know to get there alaska you drive 10 minutes any direction you're camping somewhere in the middle of nowhere which is kind of Europe, but you walk out your door and you have that, that yeah, recharge. Yeah. My backyard is beautiful. I see the Milky Way above me. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's funny, man. Um, I have become, I mean, it's always something I've connected to or since I was a kid because I've been climbing mountains and doing camping since I was a little boy. You know, my, my, I grew up in a fairly poor family, so we didn't really do vacations. So our vacations were pack up the, the car, mm-hmm. you know, with, with uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, and nutritional bars and get the tent and we go camping for the weekend. That was my vacations all through my childhood. So I grew up going to the White Mountains in New Hampshire and like that was my playground. That's where I learned everything about everything and learning how to like hear what animal makes what call and footprints and all those things that I use now on a daily basis here. Uh, when my girlfriend gets freaked out, well, what is that? I'm like, all right, that's the coyotes. It's okay. You know, mm-hmm. Those types of things are important up here because we get all kinds of things, all kinds of noises late at night sitting by the fire. But um, yeah, Alaska, it's funny, Alaska, Portland, that's my friends in 36 Crazy Fist. Yeah. Do that friends of mine too. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that lead, lead singer Brock is a dear friend of mine. I love that dude. Yeah. You talk about Alaskans being weird. I love Alaskans. I love the way they think. I love it. I can relate to it, man. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a different world. Although Alaska is wild compared to, I mean, this is nice here, but Alaska, I mean, Denali National Park. I remember mm-hmm. driving through that as a kid being like, this is epic. It's so epic. That's the one thing. It's wild. The, 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 uh, the mountains are just very jagged. Like there's mm-hmm. just like an edge to Alaska that's different than other places. Like I think that that's when I notice when I go back is like, you know, the mountains just look different. Like they look like they were literally just shoved through the earth. Like, like not just, you know, growing slowly, but just like, bam, there's that one and that one, you know, it's like the, what's the, uh, the Superman, the kryptonite, the, the, or oh, not yes, kryptonite, but like the, the clear crystals or whatever. Yes. Oh my God. Eighties. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of when I look at the mountains in the wintertime. Like, it's just like, Whoa, like yeah. I could die it, out here in two seconds. It, well, I was just going to say that that's what it is. It's intimidating. Cause like you could die where the Catskills is kind of like gentle. If you ever been to the Catskills or just look at pictures online, mm-hmm. They're gentle green mountains. They're they're not intimidating. It's that's kind of why I like it. It's like just enough wilderness, country wilderness, where mm-hmm. you're not you know, ranger can come get you within a few hours. Like you're not like Alaska out there is you could die so easy if you just do something stupid. Yeah, yeah. Here, there's a safeguard. Catskills are like mountain light. It's not so bad, dude. There's that. Uh, have you read that book, Into the Wild? I haven't read it, but I, you know, I saw the movie. You saw the but movie. I know, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Though. Yeah. That bus, they moved it because people yeah, were dying. This, okay. People kept trying to get out there. Yeah. Yes. And they would drown or get lost. And so they literally flew that bus to like buy a national guard base. They're going to put it in a museum. Uh, but yeah, it's just, just people trying to get to it and sign their name, you know, dying yeah. on the way out. They're just not ready for, for any of it. I love the idea of that whole, you know, just getting away, but there's a huge part of it that would miss people, but that there's, mm-hmm. that's the beautiful thing about living close enough to civilization and being out here. I can spend an entire day and not seeing a single person. And then I can get dressed and go have dinner and be around a ton of people. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. You have your I choice. Yeah. Yeah. We're out there. What, what that dude did, 
that's intense. Mm-hmm. That takes mental fortitude. I just don't know that I have. <laughs> Dude, if you ever, I, and you say you're a reader, like if you ever actually read the book, uh, the movie does it a ton of justice. Like the movie's great close to the book. We read the book in middle school. Right. Um, and, but his sister wrote a book later called The Wild Truth where when John Krakauer was trying to to get the story and the rights to the story to do that outside magazine article, there's a lot of details about his family life growing up that she asked him not to put in there. So people for years were saying, who is like up in Alaska, like who is this moron that would come up here with no skills and just like, oh, of course he died. Like they thought he was a moron. Like why would someone do that? When you read her book about the torture he went through as a child with his father and mother, uh, abuse, father had multiple families and uh, like just an awful, awful situation. You start to see why he immediately was like, burn my money and get out of here. It's really a heartbreaking book, but it really shed some light on why he did what he did. And uh, it's pretty, it's pretty, a, you can partner the books together like one after the other. And it's, it's pretty brutal. Um, but it was <laughs> interesting. She held all that back. Like even Sean Penn wasn't allowed to put it in the in the movie. He knew about it because she was a, con, a consultant on the movie. But uh, it's super interesting. So it's definitely worth reading. Um, but it is pretty sad. It's important to have those details as much as somebody might feel shame about it, you know, which mm-hmm. sucks. And, you know, abuse. Abuse makes people do either amazing things or terrible things. And I've learned that a lot just from doing my podcast and mm-hmm. hearing people who either become a byproduct of the abuse or rise above it and do something beautiful and in turn, turn around and help people Mm -hmm. who are coming from a similar situation. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. That sounds fascinating. I would like to know more because I've always wondered that myself, like what drives somebody to just do that. Yeah. And that scene in the movie, I love it. I'm like, that's so badass. Like, Oh, there's been moments where I'll be on tour. (laughs) I'm just overwhelmed and exhausted. And I look at my wallet and I'm like, if I just went that way on this trail and just, yeah, I could never do it though. <laughs> I, just, I just fantasize about disappearing. It'll never happen. Yeah. Well, hopefully not unless you want it to. <laughs> well, yeah, you never know. Yeah, exactly. Dude. The, see, it's so, it's so, it's so interesting The like what you do for a living and then what you really enjoy to do when you're not, you have both sides. Like you can be in the chaos. I mean, you're a punk rock dude. Like you, yeah that the punk rock there's a there's like a tribalism to it and a a community but at the same time like it's 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 lashing out against you know conformity and things like that but it's abrasive music like it's it's kind of the exact opposite in a way of nature and like that like being connected to the to the earth and the peace it's like a, a bucking against that in a way so it's interesting that you got into that uh so heavy when, I think when the other had, things really relax you. Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with just teen angst at the time, mm-hmm. frustration, and then coming from a family where knowledge was above all, I did tons of research, whether that be politics or religion. or And you just see the ugly side of humanity. And it really drove me to like uncontrollable anger that I didn't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. So punk rock saved my life, you know, and then I found these people who you know, cause you know, punk rock led me into hardcore and then mm-hmm. hardcore was really me- message driven. You know, I got into the straight edge hardcore because of minor threat. 
and then from there it just i've i discovered all of these bands and you you find like the the d-beaten crust punks who are anti-war peace punks like all these people that were just speaking all these things that i was like yes that oh my god yes that mm-hmm. and it was like oh this is the people that i can relate to and i got so and i'm still obsessed with it like it just and there's something about when that music hits and you're in the middle of the pit and I just, I get this like, yeah, let's do this. It's this animalistic thing that comes out of me. And like, to this day, I still jump in pits. Even though I'm an old guy, old guy in the pit. I still do it. I love it. But yeah, the majority of my life is spent when I can in solace and quiet, listening to meditative stuff. Mm-hmm. I've become very monastic in my old age, but the moment I hear a good song or a band's playing like I'm in, let's go, let's do this. I will throw the fuck down. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's really weird. But then every night you're, you're, you're starting pits yourself, like from the stage, yeah. you see it. You just want to jump into it yourself. Probably. <laughs> it's funny though, because there, there is, very, and I do sometimes, Yeah, but there, there is sort of a, a meditative state. I, I kind of slip into, especially post surgery where I realize technique needs to overcome the emotions at certain points. So I don't blow up my voice when I'm doing a a low growl or a high pitched scream. It's being cautious of my body and my mind. And that in turn leads me to these weird, clear, peaceful moments on stage. So the band's playing, music's loud, everyone's going crazy. And I'm sort of like aware that I'm a vessel for this weird, especially when you play a song over and over and over again, yeah. you can kind of step outside yourself as you're doing it. And I've had these real beautiful moments of like peace where it's absolute chaos everywhere around me. And I'm like, Zen, I'm like, this is awesome. I got this. And I'm not even thinking about what's happening. I'm just allowing mm-hmm. it to happen around me. So maybe that's it. I've just kind of struck this weird balance, but th- yeah, on the whole, I'm a pretty quiet introverted dude um, mm-hmm. until you talking or i have a couple drinks and i'll just or coffee i'll just yak 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 (laughs) dude do you think it's because of the the technique so you said melissa cross right the 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 scream coach like she she's awesome by the way and but she like some people that are that are in her camp don't or not her camp but under her care do that like uh cry yeah it's it's like yeah it's like they're yeah it's the yeah it almost sounds fake like you, they're just doing the wah, rah, 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 and cupping the microphone and yeah, getting yeah. like that but you don't do that like you have no. the power and yeah. that's there's a power in so like hardcore there's a lot of hardcore bands i didn't like at first because these dudes sounded like they didn't know how to do it and their voice would squeak all the time and they're trying to like the the, the emotion is there but then there's people that can sustain a scream they can pitch us like randy like they can pitch uh, yeah. a scream, uh, right. you know, they can, they can maintain it without the voice breaking up, but it's real. It's coming from the diaphragm. It's not cupping the microphone and doing the, the, you know, I've always respected that because it takes, it takes some, some severe technique, but also like the, the aggression behind it. But do you think what I'm getting at here is like the, you have a focus, you have something to focus on, you know, the words, you know, how the song goes, that's muscle memory. But when you have a technique to focus on, that's what brings you in and centers you. Is that what you were saying? Like, yeah, that gives you yeah. that meditative state because you, you, you know, you're focusing on technique to deliver this the right way instead of just pure adrenaline. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. And, you know, that's when you pull a muscle and mm-hmm. that's exactly what the voice is essentially. 
So yeah, I've had to learn like parts that I, the lyrics will make me feel a certain emotion that's powerful that could really screw up my voice. And it's happened so many times. That's kind of when I take a back seat to it and allow the, the technique. And once the technique is in place, which they call false chord is what I do. That's the term for it. Um, when you do that properly, it's, it's, it's got this round ring bell ringing thing where the scream sounds oval. It's just got this and it, it resonates through your skull a certain way. It feels meditative. It's incredible when you do it right. But that's taken so long to figure that out. And not every night I'm there, you know, some nights I don't get enough sleep. Some nights I'm emotional about something. Some nights I'm pissed about something. So it's a constant battle with me when doing that style of screaming. The fry screaming, I respect the hell out of it because you can do way higher highs and way lower lows with that technique. But I tried so hard to do that style and I can do it at home. I can sit here in my studio and I can do it. Mm -hmm. But when I go get on stage, it just doesn't hit the same way that my usual style does. And I can't do it. I tried and I'm, I feel silly. Yeah. And uh, there are singers like Matt from Trivium, for example, um, he lost his voice completely and relearned how to do it all through fry screaming. Mm -hmm. And if you watch him live and listen, he's got it down. He sounds incredible. He's doing it where you wouldn't, it almost matches up to the way he used to do it, but he's, he sounds more round. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are some people that can pull it off and make it sound incredible. And you wouldn't even know they're doing the fry scream. Mm -hmm. The way that preserves your voice is incredible. I, I kind of wish I could do it <laughs> that way, but Ah, there's just something about the way that the old school way of doing it. Yeah. It's funny. I had this conversation with uh, George from Cannibal Corpse, Corpse mm -hmm. Grinder, uh, who's a friend of mine. And uh, he comes out to all of our shows and we love them. They love us, which is hysterical. You'd never put the two together. But, you know, he's like, you know, what? I like you, bro. You don't fake that shit. You go all out. And he's like, you know, people might say kill switch is kind of soft. Uh, uh. He's like, fuck you, bro. That dude's real. Doing it fucking for real. And that, when I got that sign off from, from Corpus Coin, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm on the right path. I'm not changing my style. Yeah, dude. <laughs> he can do it for like 20 songs and his voice is insane. Yeah. That's wild. I, I, with him, I didn't know how little he does in the band. Like, doesn't write lyrics. Does He's just the voice. The voice, so yes. A compliment like that from the voice and the neck. The voice. <laughs> Yeah. Uh -huh. And I had the, I had the honor and pleasure of writing lyrics for an entire record for him. I, uh, initially was the ghostwriter for a project called Serpentine Dominion. Oh, with Adam. Uh, yeah. So I wrote all the lyrics for that entire record. And initially I was going to ghostwrite it and we weren't going to talk about it and I'd get paid. And, and yeah. the first, inter first interview he does doing press for the project. Oh, I'm just happy that Jesse came in and wrote all the lyrics. And I remember hearing him being like, yes, he said it. <laughs> Now I can talk about it because <laughs> it's one of the coolest moments for me ever. I grew up listening to Cannibal Corpse mm -hmm. and I got to write lyrics that he was going to do. It's, it's one of the crowning achievements in my personal life. The 15 year old me was like, holy shit, I just did that. Yes. And then hear him singing those words like, oh, it's so good. Dude, it's so good. I love that project. I do, too. Endless War, I believe, is the song that I love the most. That song is just rips. And uh, dude, yeah, that project was rad. And. I couldn't imagine being in that position. Like it's such a weird thing to, to write lyrics for someone else. Like it's something I don't think I know it happens. 
I've never done it. More than I think. Yeah, it happens a lot more than I think people realize. Like too. I think Elton John, there's a lyric writer Elton John uses. He's like a rancher or something out in the out in the desert that writes all Elton John's lyrics. Like Yeah, it's wild. Like to think about who does who actually does what. It's a lot. I you know, I found that out too going to the Grammys the few times I've been when you watch the credits roll the you know, during the ceremonies of how many songwriters some of these pop people have. It's like 20 writers on a pop song. Yeah. Like whoa. So literally all you're doing is just like you go into the studio and your producer says do this and you're like, "No, oh, perfect voice." But you're not a creator. You're just you're the voice. And that's like, there's a good amount of people that do it that way. And I cannot imagine. I can't imagine. It was hard enough for me to rejoin Killswitch and sing songs I didn't write that were Howard Jones's songs. Mm-hmm. That, was a, that was a tough obstacle to overcome. So I can't imagine doing it full time and then making it believable. That's what's even more amazing when you see somebody do it and you're like, you feel the emotion and you're like, wow, that person must have really been through it, man. I feel that. And then it turns out they didn't even write the freaking song. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. <laughs> I, the whole other skill I don't have to <laughs> sort of fake it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Dude, when you bring up Howard, I, I just had him on the show. And one of the weirdest interviews of my life, because the guy just does not like if like you take things from his lyrics or like the emotion from what you're feeling from what he does. He's like, yeah, I, just, I just wrote it. Like, I don't I don't uh, I, I just wrote it. Like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, he doesn't really want to <laughs> like he's just into it. Like. Laughing, and I'm like, dude, that song like it, it puts you on like wings. Oh, yeah. I just wrote it. I don't know, man. Like, I, and I'm like, really? That's it? Like, it was the weirdest interview ever. Because like, we started talking about him being being a nerd and being a reader as a child. He's like, well, this is interesting. I haven't talked about this before. I was like, that's what this is about. But anytime I brought up music or like creating things, I was like, oh, I just do it. I just do it. there's nothing to it i'm like there's got to be more than that but it's funny too because i've had conversations with that too and i get annoyed i'm like you realize how hard i work to sing good and you're just like i'm gonna sing like an angel yeah big deal how do you do warm-ups nah i just sing dude fuck you man (laughs) he just he's just born he's born that way i don't know yeah and it's funny with him like he's more he loves to laugh so it's more comedy with him like he loves any conversation i've had or been around him he, and hearing him laugh is funny. Yeah. He's, he's a great dude, man, but you're right. He, he, he's just like, yep. 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 How's that song? Well, yep. Yeah. I did it. I sang it. It's cool. He doesn't put the sentimentality on things or the, yeah. uh, the spirit behind it. Like it's just, yeah, yeah, just something I do. I'm just recording a lot. Yeah. But when cool. you hear him singing, you see him singing, you're like, damn, that dude. Yeah. But you great. have the grit. You have the I grit. Do, you bring the with grit that comes a lot of difficulty. It's, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Sometimes I wish I cared less so I could be a better, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but you're right. It is what it is. Um, And I think that's why people can relate because I'm not perfect. You know, I'm definitely rough around the edges. I'm more of a blues singer than I am an operatic singer. You know, Mm -hmm. that's just how it is. And I've learned to embrace it. You know, not every single night on stage do I sound like a songbird, but you're definitely going to feel what I'm saying regardless. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's like my soul takes precedence over technique and technique has only come to be completely honest with you since 2018, where I really started to take it seriously after my surgery. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm just getting started again with this and learning. And the more I learn, the better I'm able to express myself. So it's been a interesting journey. Well, the cool thing is that you've discovered podcasting and this other side of you that music isn't all you have to where, yeah. I mean, cause being hyper emotional, 
and uh you know i assume probably struggle with depression and and things like that quite a bit uh like yeah. i said i don't know a ton about you which is which is why i wanted to talk to you because i i like to learn it from you yeah. not from loudwire um but when you yeah. go you blow your voice out oh shit i may not be who i think i am anymore or won't be able to be that crash that inevitably comes after that 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 rush of fear and worry before covid where maybe shows will never happen again you physically maybe would not be able to do what you do anymore losing that identity could bring you into some shit yes but now that and i'm sure it probably did but the 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 fact that you have another outlet and have seen other things that you're good at and could do maybe maybe helped i would say i mean am i wrong there like being able to not lose everything like okay well i can do this now i can do this now being multifaceted that way Um, no one has ever picked up on that including people that know me really well uh that's profound and it's so spot on it's so spot on that it's it's like get out of my fucking head dude what's going on (laughs) sorry (laughs) yeah that's 100 where where i've been and even recently i had some fatigue you know i went in for rehearsals i saw the band again we we did a bunch of stuff and i I burned myself out because i was doing too much and there it was again i was you know thankfully just temporarily hoarse Mm -hmm. but dark feelings are so close because of what I went through. And my, my netting was, Oh, I love to podcast mm-hmm. and that could eventually be a career. You know, I've made a little money of it, but like the better it gets, the more people that listen, the more money that comes in, the more of it becomes a career. And yeah, that gives me a ton of hope because it's something I truly do enjoy. So I know that prior to doing this podcast, the, my only other option was like bartending or doing cameos constantly. Mm-hmm. Like it's really, that's really it for me. So, you know, I've been doing the cameo thing, but bartending, I ca- obviously couldn't do during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely changed my life and given me a whole new perspective and has helped me manage my dark side. Cause yes, I do struggle with depression and anxiety. Usually it's anxiety into depression depending on, but yeah, it's something I constantly struggle with, but I've learned to manage it in various ways but um yeah podcasting has definitely been a huge bright light in my life and given me hope for the future outside of music which i've kind of really never have had Mm -hmm. so great dude it's this is what we do man like this i've never met you before like this is what's awesome about it is connecting well you gain wisdom right you gain wisdom when you hear people's stories and you navigate people talking it's it's a constant learning experience and that's another thing that i absolutely love about it Mm -hmm. and the only way you think back through time, how do we learn things from other people? Mm. Like they teach you how to do something. You learn a lesson from them. You learn, you see them do something. They say something, philosophers, they say something profound that's then inscribed on everything we do and our money and things like that. Like someone says something and they're like, huh, that was insightful. Like that, that hit me here. Just like, you know, with music, you're singing it or screaming it. You're, you're driving that into people the same way, but we always learn from other people their mistakes you you know like whatever so so essentially that's what books are though right i mean mm -hmm. books are knowledge passed down from other people on the paper so if you're having conversations it's a it's the living word really it's Mm -hmm. like exchanging a book in real time and it's beautiful yeah like we couldn't we can we couldn't go on youtube and watch marcus aurelius speak we can't he's gone long gone randy and i were talking about this like 
the I went out after I had Randy on, I went out and bought the book he was telling me about and yeah. uh texted it to him. I was like, dude, I've got it. I'm reading it now. He's like, excellent. Like this book that he wrote, it was his meditations as he was dying, presumably of some awful deal that wasn't supposed to be published. It was just his private thoughts and they published it and it's beautiful, but like, mm. it's his words. It's his words from his head that I can read now in 2021 because it's, you know, it's been carried down and it's a beautiful thing. But like, that's what you're saying. Like the books, anything, it, just through time, other people teach other people and it just grows. You know, now technology is teaching people things or showing things that they don't need to see, getting too much yeah. information, you know. And then being manipulated by said information because mm -hmm. the person behind it can easily put out something that isn't true and say it's true. And that's, mm -hmm. we are seeing that all over the place on social media and through media. Mm -hmm. And that to me has been really interesting on many levels. But um, yeah, it's it's practice, isn't it? It's anything you do over and over again you're practicing so mm -hmm. there is a true art form to an interview or a conversation uh, and learning how to listen and be present and and not respond immediately with your thoughts about something and allowing that person to be and to tell their story all of these things have trickled down into my personal life i've become a better partner i've become a better son i truly have because you're you can't help but take in people's experiences and learning how to navigate them to create a podcast that's worth listening, that people are like, oh, this was good. The only reason it's good is if the host is humble enough to, to know when to speak and then know when to allow. That whole process to me is just profound, really. I love it. And it's something that I think anyone who practices that, unless you're a comedian or one of those, you know, there's so many comedy podcasts too, where the whole point is to cut people off and, and be a <laughs> jerk about it. But it's it's been a huge eye-opening experience for me for sure it's great dude it it's it's an ego check for sure to to mm -hmm. give up that control and and to have i mean the back and forth like the the um the the reason i don't prepare for these things is because not out of not out of ego or out of uh, anything other than i want to be present if i'm looking at notes if i'm looking yes. at the clock i'm thinking of what i'm going to say next and i'm missing you know, there's there's podcasts I listen to, or don't anymore, but I would listen to, and someone would give this really profound statement or or open the door to this very huge thing that had happened in their life. And the 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 host would just say, Got it. So when you were in high school, you know, and <laughs> I shut it off. I was like, You just fucked this up. You know, like yeah. for everyone that gave their time to listen to this, you just destroyed that hour of their life with yeah. mindless shit. I, it, it's happened to me quite a bit of being on the, you know, the other side of an interview where someone's interviewing me and I'm like, go in and they respond like that. And I'm like, literally like, guess we're not talking about that anymore. Okay. Moving on. Um, yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Well, I don't prepare either. Um, we'll have bullet points maybe off to the side, but you're right. You can't do that because you are going to miss those magical moments and those moments. And I'm sure you, you notice this when you kind of know when it's done, or you kind of know when to move on. Like that final breath, there's an energy exchange. Even on Zoom, I can feel it. You're like, oh, this conversation's done. And you yeah. know it. And if you're looking at notes, you're not paying attention, then it could potentially be you awkwardly ending the interview. Because mm -hmm. you're like, oh, it's been an hour. We've got to stop now. Yeah. All that shit, I, 
I, I, it's like annoying and, and I feel like, um, what's the word? I feel embarrassed for people sometimes. I'm like, that's, don't do it that way. Ah, oh, it's so awkward. <laughs> it's that cringe we love to watch. Like the, the, it's like those fail videos people love to watch. They're just like, oh, oh, like it's that, it, I get anxiety. That I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. See, the, like skate for skate video. When I was a skateboarder, everyone used to love watch the bail videos. Like, oh, watch people bail. I'm like, no, that's horrible. <laughs> I don't want to watch someone have a disaster. That's horrible. Dude, there's a there's an Instagram called the Hall of Meat. And it's oh, all God. like skateboard bails. It just like broken bones and faces. And it's awful. Oh, but why is, that, why is that fun? I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. Oh, it's, people want to live vicariously through other people, man. They want to, they, they, they won't go out and do that. So they'd rather watch them do it and just be like, Ooh, instead of going out and trying to skateboard or and laugh know. at people's pain. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We love to watch people fail, dude. Horrible reality shows. <laughs> like, like, uh, the spiral, like the, all that stuff. Like people, we love to watch people fail as, yeah. a, as a human race. I'm a hypersensitive empath. I just, it's not for me. I'd rather see people happy. Mm. I can't do shit. I know I'm a, such a big sap. I can't. I don't. I feel so bad for people. It ruins everything for me. <laughs> That's what makes you a good podcaster. Is the, the yeah, empathy? It's yeah. and exactly what you're saying, dude. Like you know when it's over. You know when it, if you're engaged. There's right. natural. There's no such thing as a hard out, like that we say in in media. Uh, you know, okay, hard out at three. Like if it's going somewhere. It's not a hard out. Like, you know, it, it could be two fifty five, and it's over before the hard yeah. out. Like then you're trying to extend it to that amount right. of time. Right. Like, okay. Let's keep them going. Keep them going. Like it's, it's ridiculous. And that's funny you say that too, because I've, I've listened to podcasts where I know after 20 minutes, I'm like, Ooh, they've got to try to push. Now <laughs> this is they're getting these really short responses from this person who clearly doesn't give a shit. And you know they've got to, you know, certain podcasts, you know they have to fulfill their content. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, I'm going to hang on just to see how this person navigates it. And you're almost rooting for the host. You're like, come on, <laughs> you can do this. Yeah. Uh, it's tough, man. But, you know, again, that's, that's an art form. I truly believe it is an art form. That's why when I mentioned Matt, my co-host, mm -hmm. I call him an artist. You know, he's not just an interviewer. He's not just a guy that used to work for Metal Hammer or whatever. He truly has become an artist in my eyes because I've watched and listened to him navigate difficult conversations. Gene Simmons from Kiss, like notoriously uh, a tough guy to interview. Um, Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols. You listen to these interviews and he's just in it and he's natural at it. And I'm like, that's where I'm, I kind of learned the ropes was from someone like him who just knows how to do it. And I respect the shit out of that. I yeah. love listening to podcasts where people know what they're doing because it, you know, and this is it about podcasting. It's like they're your companion for a while. Do you mm -hmm. want to be in a room full of people who are a, a room of people who are being awkward, or do you want to be in a room full of people who are like, there's an energy there, and you're along for the ride, and you're sitting nodding and smiling, doing your work or whatever you're doing? To me, that's ultimate. That's almost as good as listening to good music as listening to a good podcast. Yeah, there's a rhythm and a cadence to a conversation. If you if you're not people edit their podcasts to to make it seem like they're rapid firing and going, you know, they're doing their thing. There's like a two, 20 second pause in there they're cutting out to make it sound like it really went well, which mm. is just a front. You know, like right now what we're doing is going to go in front of thousands of people. It does every week. And those people, that energy is there too. Like what they're going to take from it, what they're going to take from this, 
being a fly on the wall in the conversation. That's and and the fact that conversation is an art form is it's an old an old thing, but all of a sudden with podcasting, it's like a new awakening where people want the long form conversation that they are lacking now because everything's rapid fire. Uh, here's your your 10 second news clip. Here's your two questions at the festival with the band playing right behind them. Oh uh, my God. You know, these, this is how people are getting information. Like this is, I, so they're craving. That's why podcasts are thriving because people are craving the long form conversation because it's like, wow, I remember when we used to do that. Like talk. Right, exactly. And, and that's why our podcast is called Stoke the Fire. The idea of sitting around a fire. Harkening mm -hmm. back to like, before we had TV, internet, any of that stuff, that's what we would do in our tribalism. People gather around the fire to eat, then they talk, and then they, you know, plan out the next day or talk the the tribal, whatever. So they got to solve mm -hmm. a problem together. And uh, I think that's a loss. You're right; it, it gets lost because we're we're in this culture where everything is is um, sound bites. Everything's quick. The attention span of people scrolling on their phones. Even while listening to a podcast, still scrolling and still like not fully engaged in what's going on. And that's just who we are as a species right now, for better, for worse. And I love that's truly why I love the long format, because, for example, this morning I've been doing press for the Times of Grace record. Mm -hmm. My morning was radio stuff from 10 a.m. up through the afternoon. I knew what I was getting into and sure enough, like they're 20 minute interviews at the most. And you're saying the same thing pretty much over and over again. And I, I dislike it, but I also get it. This is what I got to do to sell my record mm -hmm. and get people to listen to it. And then when I have interviews or conversations, I should say like this, I, I don't even care what time it is. I don't even care. Like, thank, thankfully I have nothing to do after this. Like I'm comfortable. This is where I sit comfortably and I enjoy it. And I think that, What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equal Vision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms, 
They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is a rock and roll city for sure. I do like the wrath of the buzzard. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The wrath of the buzzard. P-R-O-H files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable 
part of your month because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Yeah, the more people listen to this type of stuff, the more people understand because podcasting is becoming something much bigger than it was 10 years ago. I mean, I only got into listening to it maybe five or six years ago. It's just a beautiful thing because it's about connection. Mm-hmm. It's about storytelling. I, yeah, there's something so beautiful about it. There's no gatekeepers. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Like I watched um, uh, Dan Carlin. I went to when I was on my first network. We went to this thing called Podcast Movement, which is basically a money grab to, you know, a bunch of people in their basement trying to start a podcast. Hey, I have an idea for a podcast. Pay 600 bucks and get a ticket to this thing and go watch other people that have like a very small listenership that have been doing it a while tell you how to be successful. It's one of those things. But they got Dan Carlin from Hardcore History, one of the biggest podcasters around, to do the yep. keynote. And he said the one thing that he can say he's proud about, like, so like with Apple, like just as a, as a corporation, and what they had control over when they made podcasting free, like they didn't charge for it. They leveled the playing field to you sitting right there and Joe Rogan and Mark Marin and all these guys, even playing field. It didn't matter who you were, what you could pay for, what kind of gear you could get. It's free. So you, anyone can put up a podcast. I could just sit here and talk to myself for 20 minutes, push, uh, submit or publish, and it goes out to the whole world if they want to find it. It leveled the playing field and anyone can do it. They can physically make a podcast. Making a good podcast is something different. But the fact that there's no gatekeepers, same thing with punk rock. Like, do you have an instrument? Can you play it? Not really. Okay, well, let's start a band. You it's took exactly the word the right same. out of my mouth. It's the accessibility. Wild that's West. Why, yep. There's no FCC. That's why I got into punk rock and that's truly why I got into podcasting. It just, you know, it opens the door to you. And that possibility is incredible because you don't know where it's going to take you. Mm-hmm. I mean, case in point, being a musician who's, who's toured and traveled, when we started playing music, we weren't like, oh, I'm going to be a big fucking rock star. I never thought that. I was like, oh, I'm just going to do this with my friends and have a good time. And then before I knew it, you know, years down the road, I, I was playing in front of thousands of people mm-hmm. because I saw... A band like, you know, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a shittier band than The Clash because The Clash was definitely one of my gateway bands. But um, I don't know, like a regular ass hardcore band that didn't have a ton of talent. I saw that. I stood near the stage and I was thinking to myself, oh, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much what podcasting is. You're right. But (laughs) the difference is, is it good or is it bad? And who's going to listen and who's not going to give a shit? Um, Because I've listened to some bad podcasts, dude. (laughs) Even when the audio is just painful to listen to, you're like, ah, oh, ow. Yeah. It's, to this it's, day, I still hear those. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing. If anyone can do it, like, everyone's going to do it. And the, the cream will rise to the top, right? Like, the, the, and so it's funny, like, Joe Rogan, he has this what, couple million dollar studio that he has because he wants it. He doesn't need it. I did our hun- first 155 episodes in my car. Like oh, wow. I still am using my zoom recorder right now, running out of my headphone jack on my laptop. The only reason I have a laptop in front of me is so we can zoom. Otherwise it's the zoom recorder and the mic. I have the same microphone I did with Adam in the same recorder that I just brought in in a briefcase. 
and did it right there and was out. Like the the tour manager was like, "Where's your stuff?" I was like, "That's in this little bag here." Oh, okay, that's easy. Yeah, I'll be in and out. Boom, boom, and I'll be in my car. I'd be in the bathroom. I'd be in my union hall, uh, my apprenticeship for plumbing. Like I would tell him, I had a, a conference call. I need to use a classroom. I had Keith Morris from Black Flag on with my Zoom recorder for an hour and a half. Like anywhere it's like it's like guerrilla warfare like it's just anywhere you want to do it you can do it and if the content's there people will listen Mm. you know and that's how you learn is just like these little these little things like being with adversity just like with with punk rock with anything adversity you you learn to get through it but then you also learn the lessons on how to do things the right way and the wrong way you know yeah and people people want to hear victory stories people want to hear suffering stories Mm -hmm. there's something to be learned from every conversation and that's something i learned very quickly uh, especially having listeners on you know on our podcast which you know the numbers might not be astounding people might not want to just listen to some random person but the moment they take a chance and they do listen to our listener podcast they oftentimes go deeper than the people that are notable because everybody's got an intense story depending on where you come from and in the case in point we're talking earlier about bradley who passed away i've Mm -hmm. never heard of anyone surviving I think he said uh, like close to a hundred overdoses, like insane amount of overdoses, what that dude lived through and the hope he sort of gave, you know, God rest his soul now, but to people who are addicts and we would see the comments coming in, we would read messages and emails of people just latching onto this story of this guy, this random guy that is just a normal, quote unquote, normal everyday person. Yeah. And everyone's got something. Everybody has something to contribute. And that commonality, that connection we all have as humans, there's a real beauty to that. And the fact that there's no real format you have to stick to if you don't want to with a podcast, you never know what kind of beauty and magic or hysterical things you're going to capture. And that to me excites me more than anything because you're right. There's a freedom there. It's just there's what do you want to do? What, whatever you want to do. It's like when Seinfeld came on, people were like, what's the show about? That's about nothing. <laughs> and it became one of the biggest shows in the entire history of television, a show based on absolutely nothing. And I love that. It just makes me really happy because anyone can do it. You listening right now to our podcast, his, this podcast right now, you can start a podcast. Go, exactly. Do it. Jerry Seinfeld's the highest paid actor in Hollywood because of syndication from that show. Like he's one of the highest paid actors in hollywood he's yeah. done the b movie in seinfeld like it's wild it's wild and now he does comedians in cars getting coffee which yeah. he just does because he's got nothing to do he's yeah. just sitting he's sitting on millions of dollars going i'm gonna get coffee with my friend and we're gonna film it in the car a car that i'm gonna rent that i like that i think's interesting which and portion am i gonna show. choose <laughs> yeah it's a decent show but what makes that show funny to me more than anything is Seinfeld's attitude. He just doesn't give a shit. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. He just doesn't care. He's got nothing to lose at all. I it's, love it. It's wonderful. And the other thing is, you is that being honest as a person, like being honest with your intentions with, with, uh, when it comes to pot, both with anything, but with podcasting, like, so I emailed you through the stoke the fire email. Cause we didn't, I, I know we know have mutual friends, but I was like, I'm just going to reach out and see what happens. You got back to me. We were going to set this up. And then literally like a day or two later, Tim from Adam Splitter emails me. It's like, hey, Times of Grace Records coming out with the press release. The, the typical one. I get 50 of them a day. And I'll usually just scroll through them and delete most of them because I don't like going through publicists. Not because of publicists, but I don't. So I just started being honest. 
I said, you know what? Uh, I want at least an hour. I don't want to talk about the new record. We probably yeah. own anyway. Uh, and I don't want I don't to be in to. a press junket. I don't need to. <laughs> and I said, I'll send that flat out to them. And they'll be, some people are like, okay, fuck you. Or other people are like, wow, thank you for, for saying like, okay, let me talk to management and see what we can do. Great. So the last year I've been doing just people have been introducing me to other people like, oh, you should have so-and-so on. Oh, do you know them? They hook us up and we'll just text about it and then do it. No publicist involved, no management. Um, but when it is a publicist, so I've turned down like, like Ace Freely from Kiss, like they offered me 15 minutes. I was like, I'm not going to waste this time. I can't do what we do in 15 minutes. 15 and they're like, minutes. well, thank you for saying uh, that because then, you know, like I was like, yeah, let me know when he's not doing a press chunk and he wants to chat. We'll do it. And it never happened. But uh, yeah, anyways, that's, that's a tangent, but. Yeah, but some people don't want to go deep either, you know? Yeah. Like some people are comfortable within that. I mean, I can only imagine with him, someone who's been doing it as long as he has, and he probably doesn't want to talk about his personal life. He probably doesn't give a shit to, like, he doesn't want to talk about it. I'm assuming. Um, and he just wants to plug his record and make his money. Like, there's some yeah. people that just don't have that in them. Where for me, my toes curl up sometimes when I'm doing press to, like, promote. I'm like, ugh. I, and I... I have no right to complain to some people because my job rules and, uh, you know, I'm promoting my art, which is amazing. But, you know, I've done press tours where I'll go to Europe for a week and I'm doing 72 interviews and maybe, maybe four of them. I'm like, wow, that was good. This person knew what they're talking about or this person was interesting and we talked off topic from the 10,000 same questions I've had over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I get it short form. That stuff is good to promote because people want bullet points and they're like, Oh, I might check out the record now that has a place for sure. But when you're where you are in your career, where you can make that decision and choose, you're potentially avoiding like a very awkward sort of uncomfortable situation. And like when you said 15 minutes and we've been sitting here just yapping, can, can you imagine 15 minutes? What do you do with <laughs> 15 minutes? Like, holy shit, there's zero time to be personal. There's zero time to like be comfortable with what you're doing. You've got to get to that point in 15 minutes. And yeah, I can't imagine doing that shit either. Dude, no thanks. You got to give enough of yourself too. Like it's a, it's an exchange. I try to explain that to people that sure. If you, if you have a topic you want to talk about that is deeper, you know, you don't just, go into that you have to establish some kind of a rapport you have to give some of yourself you can't just say hey dude tell me about that time you od'd like or hey dude tell me about that you know you can't do that you don't deserve that you have yeah. given nothing of yourself so you have to establish something and that takes some time yeah it's, establishing yeah. trust and a rapport with somebody which is super important i think with anything any kind of I mean, the same thing, you know, you're in a bar with somebody, you meet somebody, you're having a nice conversation. You don't just go right for the jugular. Exactly. <laughs> you start with, hey, can I sit down? Yeah. Sure. You've He's already. Right. Are you a raging alcoholic? I'd love to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. What? Can I buy you around? Can I, you know, you, you ask, like you, you, you don't just walk up. Hey man, you look depressed. You want to talk about it? Like, it's like, hey. Can I sit? You have to start somewhere. Can I sit here? I don't know. Is this the, the seat taken? Like, what the fuck? Basic shit. <laughs> yeah, I saw you on Loudwire. You're talking about some crazy shit. You want to go deeper? Like, uh, yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta start somewhere, and you have to give enough of yourself. You can't just be guarded and expect someone to spill their guts to you. And that's not what it's about either. Is spilling the guts, but sometimes it goes there. You know. Yeah. That 
there's a whole psychology to it and you can you can tell I mean, especially when you're dealing with uh, you know zoom where you can see each other or in in person because mm -hmm. you're reading the person's body language their eye contact which in this case is a little weird because for me to make quote unquote eye contact with you i'm looking at my camera yeah but um that's a whole thing i learned early on even just being a, a performer on stage and using my body language to accentuate what i'm singing about or what i'm saying or how i'm trying to relate to you in the audience and when i was younger i never used to make eye contact because i was a you know a timid little hardcore kid punk rock or whatever and as i got older i remember like specifically um talking to certain singers it was a uh, uh, jet from sam black church which is a band i grew up listening to and seeing and i remember he pulled me aside once because we played a show with um his newer band uh, jet fuel which is years later and he's like you're really good at what you do but you gotta start making eye contact like make me believe what you're saying and that stuck with me the psychology of delivering your message or the psychology of making somebody comfortable enough to like start opening to you and start allowing themselves to show their true colors and not be guarded you know you can tell when someone's not giving you all of their selves you can just kind of read them at least if you're tuned into that kind of energy and it's amazing to watch somebody slowly you see their shoulders drop they sit back they or they they lean forward if they're really engaged <laughs> getting to know all those little signs and like you you can really navigate somebody or even manipulate somebody if you need to mm -hmm. if you're that kind of a journalist and i've seen it happen i've been on both sides of it you know i've had interviewers who they're trying to be slick and they're trying to get something out of me so they can use it for their their tagline of the interview and like i've been i've been played before mm -hmm. and I, I don't do that anymore like oh they try to get you to talk shit. i'm like i'm not a sucker man maybe when i was like 18 19 <laughs> years old all bright-eyed and like oh i want to be let's do this like nope that yep. ain't me and you, but there's a real psychology behind it. And I've, I've been learning a ton on the other side of the interview, all the things I've learned from being the guy being interviewed to being the person who's trying to get that person to open up. It's been quite an eye-opening experience. Dude, it's hundred percent. You took the words right from me of the lean in. There's always yeah. the lean in. There's not always the lean in, but when you get the lean in, it's there. Like in, in going back to Howard again, not talk about Howard on this podcast a whole bunch, but he's kind of like sitting back kind of shoulders up coffee like got his coffee and he's doing his thing like oh, fuck another interview i hate doing these and i knew this going into he doesn't like interviews and that's fine I, it's not an interview but it's hard to explain to someone that in the beginning like you know publicists like even amy like it's not an like she's like i understand what you do but i have to explain it to this person we <laughs> we don't talk about any of the stuff that he thinks we're going to talk about because that's not what i'm there for I had asked about having him on before I'd even knew a new record was coming out 10 minutes in or so he puts his coffee down. Oh, <clears throat> clears his throat a little bit. Like this is interesting. I don't talk about these. Let's do this. So it's like, there we go. And we went off in the weeds and it was beautiful. Yeah. I loved it. But there's that body language, like put the coffee down, like, like, and step away from it or, uh, sit back, lean in, any of that stuff. Like it's all the FBI's been doing this for a long time. Like figuring out if people are lying, or you know. There's body language, where the eyes go, where the you know, uh, basic demeanor like changes. When someone gets excited about something, they kind of light up. There's a spark, and it's yeah. it's wonderful to see. Yeah, my father is a very well educated man, and um, he's a retired minister and a professor. And he taught me a ton about this particular topic. And one of the things I learned early on um, when I started to get interviewed 
Um, and I wanted to make the interviewer comfortable to get a better interview because that's how I used to think. Was like, if this person's comfortable, I'm going to have a better interview. So I would mimic their body language. If somebody crossed their legs, I'll slowly cross my legs. If someone's doing this when I'm talking to them, I'll, I'll back away and I'll slowly kind of put my arms up too. And you can see the disarming happening when you start to mimic them because there's a certain comfort with the, it's so funny how deep this runs in human psychology uh, and psyche. And it's funny when you learn it and you can recognize it and you can use it to your benefit and not, not in a bad way, just like how to ease somebody and how to like, even in a job interview, you know, I've used that in a job interview, the same thing. Like if I see somebody backing away, I do the same thing. You mimic them and then you can see them slowly let their guard down because you're making them comfortable by just using psychology. Exactly. I learned that from my pops. <laughs> dude, that's wonderful. Like, and he's watching people's body language all the time. He's a minister. All like, the time. He's got to run that professor. crowd. Like, and a yeah. professor, yes. And so the, the, the art form is, though, not thinking about it, not being like, I got him. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, and your brain just automatically switches. Okay, I want to talk about this now. You know, mm. or uh, picking on things like someone gives you a five minute monologue on something and then you there's three things in there that you want to pick on. Then it's OK to you, you. The doors just open and it flows. It's not like. Oh, he did it. OK, he's looking at me. He's oh, he leaned in. <laughs> Perfect. But later you can look at it and watch how it went. And it's like, OK, that's where that disarmed that that did that. You know, you you learn these things over time and, and utilize them in a smooth way, like. Like going back to Keith, when that interview with Keith, like you're leaning back kind of to the side, just kind of like, you know, it's the first episode, of course, but you're just, you're disarmed. Like you're just relaxed and you see mm. Keith sitting very straight and he's kind of like shoulders up, like, and he's joking about his shirt. Like, uh, you probably never seen me wear a shirt like this before. Cause you guys have been friends a long time, as you mentioned in the beginning. Yeah. And if you just watch it from a body language standpoint, you watch you, you sit back and you let him talk. And then you chime in when you need to. And mm. that alone, you see his face get red because he's starting to bring up topics that are rough for him. And you just guide him through it. And that's mm. when I saw that. I was like, okay, Jesse has some stuff he's wrestling with too. Because he understands how this feels. Mm. And that is where, when I said, I, I want to talk to this guy. I want to, like, I'm stoked that he needs to do this. That's mm. awesome. Um, that's part of it was that body language, just watching you barely had to say anything to, to disarm him. And of course you're friends, but that's hard shit to talk about even with friends mm. and yeah, even I, harder I, sometimes. Yeah. I've applied that to almost everything. And, and you're right. It sort of is just something I naturally do. Cause I think it's just genuine curiosity. That's hundred percent. it. My favorite thing in the world is when that person is talking and you know, I'll have little points I want to make, but if they continue to talk, sometimes they even touch upon the thing you were going to ask them. So just hang on for the ride mm -hmm. and wait for the right moment to interject or like to, uh, you know, to add to the conversation. And I, I love it. I get, I get a charge out of it where I'm like, Ooh, that's a good point. Remember to say that, but stay, stay in it, stay in it. Mm -hmm. you know, like I'll have certain people on the podcast where I'm like, shit, I'm going to remember to even say this. I'm like, let go of it, bro. Let go. Just keep going, keep going. And then they'll, they'll finish their sentence and they've already touched upon it. So it's really just a give and take. And I could say the same thing about being on stage, opening for Iron Maiden, case in point. You get up on stage, the first five or six rows are packed with people with Iron Maiden merch on, and they are just arms crossed, like, who are these assholes? You know, 
show me who you are. What do you got? And the battle that it takes in your head to like do what you do and show them like, we love this. This is what we love to do. It's, it was incredible for us because I mean, I've opened for big bands before Iron Maiden. It's one of the biggest metal bands in the world. And that was a real lesson for me to like, let go of my ego, let go of my shit and don't try to be a badass. show these people that we love what we do. And by that, we're going to somehow get you to have fun too. And 9.9 times out of 10, we won them over simply by just having fun, making jokes, self-deprecating occasionally, um, and then just performing at our best. And you see those crossed arms, the head starts to nod a little bit. And then they're like, oh, and then someone will play a cool riff and the arms drop a little bit and the horns go up. And by the end of the set, we had the crowd most nights. And what an incredible learning experience that was taking a band like Killswitch, who, you know, for years we were headlining our own shit. We were doing just fine. And then you get these invitations to play with these bigger bands. It's like, oh, shit, how are we going to survive this? And what an experience that is. And, and that's to me, sort of the only way I could think about comparing the two is watching an audience open up, watching an audience start to enjoy you. And those nights that are a good show versus a bad show, it's all the audience. I mean, even if you perform not as good, if the audience is there with you and they're carrying you and they're, they're accepting of you and that energy is in the room, there's nothing like it. It's incredible where you could be spot on, you're playing like the record, it's perfect. And the audience doesn't give a shit. You're gonna leave that stage being like, fuck, that sucked. Mm -hmm. No matter how well you performed. And to me, that's the deeper stuff. That's the stuff of humanity that oftentimes goes unspoken because it's just an energy, that exchange of energy. And that's the one thing I would say over anything I've missed during the pandemic, during this whole time of not having that high of performance at exchange and actually being able to tap into it through podcasting. Like yeah. we said earlier on, that was the moment, the magic moment of like, Oh, this can be achieved. Otherwise this, there's another way to tap into this incredible energy. And that's kind of when I realized I'm not in it for the, I've never been in it for the fame, but I'm not in it for the fame and the, I've never been that guy. And I never really quite put my finger on what it exactly was. I just knew that there was purpose. It was purpose driven. I write my lyrics very intentionally to speak to people, but you could get up there and speak to people. And if they're not receiving it, it doesn't matter. It's not going to do what it's supposed to do. So it's that moment of exchange that happens when that aha moment between you and the audience, when you're making eye to contact with somebody and I will watch as they are in tears, singing every single word of that song. Mm -hmm. And it just takes me out of the moment. And I'm like, how? this is incredible. Like, this is it. That's it right there. That exchange. And I'll leave and go back to the dressing room and I'll get teary eyed myself and be like, Oh my God, what's that person's story. And after that started happening to me, I make a point to get off stage and, and hug that person or bring the mic to them and hold them while they sing. Those moments have been the most incredible moments of my career, regardless of the fucking Grammys or awards to be the best metal band or album sales. It's that exchange between audience and performer that you can tap into on a podcast mm -hmm. and I'm hooked for life. That's it. One way or another, I need that energy Yeah, because it just keeps me going and it gives me purpose. It's beautiful. That's beautiful. That, that moment you're talking about 
you got to think too how many hundreds of thousands of times that happens in someone's room where they're not there with you, but they are. So that mm. one time that you are holding that person, you know, it's like when, when they say 1% of your audience will actually reach out to you and email you is a good way to gauge your following is, is 1% will react to what you're doing and, and say something to you on email or respond to a, a call to action or whatever. That one person you're holding on to, you think of the ripple effect of how many people that can't come out to the shows are in their room crying to this song or punching the wall to this song or uh, putting the needle down to this song uh, or putting the putting whatever it is away and changing their life. It's it's a beautiful yeah. thing to think about that ripple effect. And then in 20 years, what band is that person you were holding on to into that's on a podcast talking about? Well, what was the moment for you? Well, Jesse got off the stage and grabbed me and put the mic in my face. And I was like, I could do this. You know, mm. how many times is that happening? You know, it's just that, that beautiful ripple effect of the energy. You know, I think <laughs> this just popped in my head, but I think the best cops would be former podcasters or podcasters because you can connect with people and disarm things and and be able to talk through things versus going and, and beating the shit out of them or whatever, you know, like you can step in or a mediator to become a mediator. Um, just being able to, to think on your feet, you know, it takes practice, but once you get there, I mean, it's, it's a skill I wish everyone could have, you know, and, and be able to just thrive. But that, what you're talking about there, you're also standing next to a dude in a cape. So being able to disarm the, the Iron Maiden fans, uh, you know, I love I, I, I was just in my head thinking of watching Adam in a cape and watching all those people just like arms crossed. Like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> it's funny because so, you'll, you'll see nights where he's he's very self-aware and doesn't get half as crazy as he usually does. He reads the audience, too, and he feeds off them as well. So a show where we're sort of out there to sort of prove it or win the audience over. Yeah he's he's actually will hold back on some of the shit he'll say or do because he he's very aware of like we're trying to win this audience yeah. over but then there are nights he it's all off like we we did a tour with rise against and a lot of their fans are you know really politically minded and really serious and extremely liberal and like you know don't want to be offended and adam mm -hmm. would just go in some nights and i remember this specific <laughs> night where he just kept making pussy jokes and yeah. it was like the these two very obviously looking like punk rock feminist type girls with their mom. Like it was a whole family of like probably really serious people, which mm -hmm. much respect. I totally respect that. And I'm all always very careful not to offend. That's just me. But Adam was just, he just kept going in and I'm like, dude, read the room, please for the love of God, read the room. And like the woman is, got a younger child and keeps putting earmuffs on the kid's ears. And like I said out loud, I'm like, Adam, you know, there are children. Fuck the kids. Like, he, just was, he had one of those nights. So he's yeah. just got a vendetta to just insult somebody. So it depends. Like he he'll turn it on and off depending on the audience and depending on his mood. Sometimes he doesn't even read the audience. So, yeah, it can be difficult. There are nights mm -hmm. where I'm like, I'll get deflated because I'll start to say something very, you know, this song and like just say titties i mean i don't know it depends and i'll just stop i'll either laugh and enjoy it or i'm like all right i'm gonna shut the fuck up then <laughs> that's what it's like being in a band with him dude is he's a total mastermind genius but he's he's a he's a wild card you never know what's gonna happen people say call me the front man of kills it no truly i am the singer adam d is adam the front d. Man. Yeah. <laughs>
I wanted to go back to a point you made yes. and I thought it was very interesting because it's something I've been contemplating a lot lately, how you're saying people who can't make it to shows and maybe are watching you on the internet. That's what really fascinates me about streaming and how bands started to do that streaming thing and how Killswitch finally got, you know, talked into the idea of it. Um, was that exact thing is like there are people in you know india israel places we've never been before that will see that we're doing a streaming concert and we'll finally be able to experience not just a youtube video of somebody holding a shaky camera but a professionally shot thing where we're singing to you so as you are watching this is a whole new thing for a lot of people and you saw a band like code orange they were like one of the first people to really jump on it um and it's incredible to, to see that there's a whole new, like, even after we go back to playing shows, there's still going to be a market and a whole new thing for streaming concerts. It's really opened this huge door, just much like Zoom has with the conversation or with business meetings or with, you know, dance parties. I even attended a dance party early on in this pandemic. Um, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the woman. She's um, a New York City party person. She puts on drag shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, my girlfriend was a performer in, in a place called House ES in Brooklyn, which is like acrobatics and pole dancing and cage dancing. She's a crazy performer. She found out about this party and we've just been depressed in lockdown alone. And like you pay 10 bucks and you get a Zoom link. And we partied and every two minutes, the screen would change. Well, not two minutes, 30 seconds. The screen would change to another party goer. So you have people in their bathtub with bubbles on them dancing. You have people dressed in full drag with disco lights in their living room dancing. Then you they show the DJ, then they show the the person who's putting on and it was like as I was watching that, my mind was starting to blow like we're entering into a whole new era of possibility and connection where we can see bands putting on these crazy performances in these big spaces with professional lights and the audience is you. There's nobody there but you. And I think we're going to see some incredible shit. There's going to be those innovators, you know, people like Bjork and Radiohead who've always taken shit to this whole other level. We're going to start seeing bands, even as this world opens up, that are going to take advantage of this streaming thing Mm -hmm. and do it to a whole other level where it's going to be like watching a movie. And I'm excited for that as well. You know, we're, we're just kind of getting on board with that. A lot of bands who've just been touring maniacs are just getting on board with this idea and I'm excited for the future of that because I know we're just at the beginning of what the possibility of performing to that single person in their home now. We're going to cater to you. You're not going to see shitty YouTube footage. We're going to professionally give you an, a, an amazing performance that's just for you. That, mark my words, I truly think that's going to be a whole other level of maybe even replacing touring for some people. You know, Dude, who knows? Yeah, if you could make yeah, all that money in one night, like... Without all the travel, holy across shit. the world, yeah, your, your audience is the globe. Yep, and you're ch- charging ten bucks. You get, I don't know, some of the more popular people. You get half a million people. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. That's nuts. Exactly, <laughs> and it's just going to lead to more innovation. You know how to do it the right way. How will this work for us? Okay, there's going to be new technology and devices that are going to come out to to process this. And, and this is an ongoing conversation too, because you think about how album sales kind of fell off. And we're tour, 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 exhaust yourself to tour the world. And now here we are. If, is there light bulbs going off on people's heads? Mm-hmm. Like you could potentially minimize the amount of road time 
if you just spend a month producing this incredible show, mm-hmm. the paycheck you could potentially get from that, it's a year of touring. Yep. So we're on the cusp of something really fucking cool. Dude, I agree. Remember I said that. I agree. <laughs> you heard it here, fuckers. <laughs> I should copyright that shit, bro. <laughs> dude i i uh, i completely agree with you there and it's gonna be it's gonna be intense to see where things go and the fact and i've been talking about like the foo fighters doing this sold out madison square garden show like testing the waters getting things back like of course what other band is gonna do that a 13 time grammy winning band um i'm interested to see where that goes and what happens and and uh you know it's just such a weird time and i i I'm really feeling inspired from this dude, because like, you know, hearing your perspective on things, you know, and getting to know you through this, like, like I said before, not knowing you before, not having even met before, uh, getting your perspective on things and hearing how much you love the medium and how much you're getting into this and, and what it's doing for you and providing, showing you your worth in a different way, you know, giving your identity, a uh, basically a duplicate, like, I'm this and this now instead of I'm just this. If something happens, I'm screwed. Like that little bit of of insight too is 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 awesome because it just shows that we're capable of so many things. You know, it's easy to pigeonhole yeah. yourself, but you're yeah. just a multifaceted person. It's awesome. Yeah, and you can be in your 40s and still expand. You know, like I never thought. First of all, I would be still doing music in my 40s. And now here I am thinking about, oh, this is a whole other medium now. Mm-hmm. And then now when I have these creative moments, it's not just about what can I do with a lyric or a song? It's like, oh, what can we do with this guest? Mm-hmm. And now the new thing for Matt and I that we've talked about since the beginning, but now we see the world opening up is let's do this now in person with an actual fire. You know, we took inspiration from Joe Strummer, who did this at Glastonbury Festival he had a fire and he would have people gather around. You can see it on the documentary about, you know, the last documentary made about him before he passed where he is sitting around a fire and then people gathered around that fire to pay tribute to him. So my idea, our idea rather was let's take this on the road. Let's do a road trip where we stop in LA, we stop in Vegas, we stop in New Orleans and we find a fire and we invite people on and we have cameras and like, this isn't just a podcast anymore. It's now a travel show. Mm-hmm. It's now a music festival where we have like a bunch of punk bands play and we have mental health workers giving talks and we have yoga instructors and we have vegan food. There's just so much you can do. It doesn't have to be just a podcast. It can be a brand. It can be whatever the hell you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And it kind of follows suit with the whole idea of like, it's the wild west. If you're opening a door, you have enough of an audience. You can kind of do anything with it. You yeah. don't have to sit in the studio and make it just that you could I mean, depending on where you are, you could be outside, which, you know, with sound, it might be horrible, but I don't know. To me, it just excites my brain to think I've got a whole new lease on life because of a conversation with somebody, you know? And you found it in your forties. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think no midlife crisis anymore. (laughs) No, I, (laughs) yeah. Thankfully I've never really had that. Um, but yeah, I turned 43, uh, in what, four days. Dude. Happy birthday early. Still going, man. It's I. If you would have told me when I was in my twenties, I'd still be doing this or still be alive, even because <laughs> at that at that point, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. So every day is a blessing, isn't it? You, like you get to wake up and and do what you love in one way or another. If yeah. that's what you've chosen to do, and you've pursued it, and you've been fortunate enough to do it, 
uh, even on my worst days, I have to remind myself like it's not so bad. Exactly. Someone always has it worse and you've got a fucking awesome job too. And like, you know, it's, it's just a, a wonderful thing to have all these different facets to you and, and finding all these things out, even this late in life, like not even late in life, but you know, if you discovered podcasting when you were 12, you know, like it'd be a lot different. It hit you different. There's always the, I'm glad we're having this conversation now. If I reached yeah. out to someone three years ago, like Randy to have him come on and, and man, she was like, who the fuck are you? Like, no. Uh, if I wait until Tim Bohr asked him to do it for me, uh, he's like, okay, just book it. And, but I'm glad I'm talking to you now. Cause back then I didn't have these things to say. I didn't have these, these skills at all honed. It was bright, new, fresh. Who do I want to talk to and reach out to the biggest people? I'm glad we're having yeah. this conversation now, much like with you. I'm glad we're having this conversation now instead of at the Roseland in 2017, right? Like, cause I'm prepared for it life-wise. Like I'm, right. I'm in, I'm in it. I've, I'm, and I've been looking forward to it. Um, and I'm really glad we were able to do it because it's, uh, like I said, I'm leaving this inspired and ready to rock, you know, into yeah. next week. Like I, it gives me more fuel to, to keep rolling. And hopefully you got something from it too. I mean, it's, I, I've just really enjoyed it, man. Oh. Yeah. Likewise. I absolutely walked away. Cause you know, you know how it is. Like I'm taking what you said. I'm taking, you know, the energy that we exchanged. And also sometimes when you're saying something, you're realizing it as you say it, there's a few things I've said where I'm like, Ooh, that's interesting. I'm glad <laughs> I said that. I got to remember that shit. Yeah. It's, it's a constant evolution and it's a beautiful thing, man. And I, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that energy is here. We're towards the end of that conversation. It's a really nice period on the sentence. Like, yeah. And someday I'd, I would love to to break bread with you in person and meet you. And Absolutely. that's the cool thing about this too. You you potentially gain new friends by just having, because this type of a conversation doesn't just happen no. all the time. People have to make space for it. And in your everyday life, if we had just met in passing at a bar, they, they, they'd be like, oh yeah, I used to play in a band. I do a podcast. Cool. I play in a band. I just started a podcast. Cool. All right, man. Nice to meet you. Like the, <laughs> That doesn't happen. So it's holding space, you know? Yeah. And that's another thing that's beautiful about it. So yeah, I look forward to to someday hopefully meeting you, man. And this was a pleasure, a great pleasure. Really enjoyed it. That's my greatest, my greatest anxiety of this show is that I don't waste someone's time. If it sucks, I wouldn't put it out. It's no big deal. But if I waste an hour and a half of your time, then I feel really bad. And that's where I get nervous is only for that fact, because it's basic human interaction but if I've wasted your time, that's the fear. So uh, I'm glad. I'm glad it was mutually beneficial, and I would absolutely uh, love to hang. You know, in the future when you get through town, or um, I'll shoot you an email after this with my contact information, and, and yeah. uh, I would love to keep in touch and and do this again. Uh, and we can go to some other realms. Uh, there's so much we didn't even talk about, uh, and I love that because there's still like in a vast amount to talk about later. Which is yes, uh, which is awesome. and maybe I steal you to have on my podcast. We'll see Dude, what happens. Anytime, man. You just let me know. Um, all that right, sounds all right, brother. Thanks so much, man. Thank and have you. a good uh, good rest of the day. Yeah, you're behind me. Good rest of the day, okay. my friend. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. Take care. All bye. Right, bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Jesse Leach from Killswitch Engage and Times of Grace. Go check out Times of Grace new record. Uh, Killswitch just did a live stream, which I think ends tonight. I'm doing this on Sunday. 
Um, so you guys probably already missed it if you didn't see it already, but there's always time to, uh, well, maybe, maybe they'll let you watch it again. I don't know how those live streams work. If you can go buy tickets later or if your ticket lasts a certain amount of time, not a big deal, but, uh, I hear it was great. So go check it out. And big thanks to Jesse for coming on. He'll definitely be on for a part two in the future as we had a great conversation. I was really stoked on it. So thank you guys so much for coming back week after week. We've got a ton of big stuff in the works. Uh, we've got a bunch of stuff in the can already. We've got some pretty huge stuff coming up August and September. Uh, and then the anniversary, the fifth year anniversary is going to be in October, and that one is going to be amazing. I'll tell you right now, it's going to be awesome. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So go check out the Facebook group, the Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle. Go check out the premium service, peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. Sign up for that. Get the ad-free feed, the video footage, all that stuff, the past cast. We're always putting new stuff up in there. The day I do an interview, that it goes up right away. So I've got three interviews this week. That's not to say it could could go up to six, <laughs> which it has before, uh, but three so far this week, and all those videos will be up this week in the premium, and you won't have to wait a month or so for the episode to come out. So definitely worth your time. Thank you guys so much for coming back week after week. I love each and every one of you guys. I say it every week. I mean it. Uh, I really do. I do these these intro outros on the fly. I don't write them down. I don't have a script. It's just me talking to you. And I really, really appreciate your listenership and supporting the show. The numbers have been growing exponentially every month. It's insane. Keep that going. I know we got a lot of sponsors and ads slipping in here, and that helps keep the lights on. We need those to get uh, paid to actually keep all this stuff hosted. Uh, all the stuff doing the graphics that all costs them. I have to pay for Adobe Photoshop, a licensing, uh, all sorts of shit goes into this thing and, and financially. So you're hearing those ads. You don't want to hear them anymore. Jo join the premium. The lowest tier of that gets you the ad free feed and you can listen to it without all those ads talking about manscaping and all that uh, in the middle of your interview. So without further ado, guys, I'm going to get out of here. We'll see you on the radio.
Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaking microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not so grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs>